This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by our partners at Gold Star, who figure into this week's episode. Check out our entire collection of Gold Star apparel at CincyShirts.com. Click on the Partners tab, drop-down menu, and select Gold Star Chili, Gold Star Chili, Small Batch Chili, and Handcrafted Hamburgers. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 120. Today on our show, it's the food hussy, Heather Johnson. I've also done a lot of, I work with the Ohio Pork Council, so I have gone to a lot of pig farms, and I've got to hold piglets, which are very cute and fun, and um, when you go to visit a pig barn, you have to shower to go in and shower to come out. So I've taken a lot of showers in barns. Heather Johnson moved to Cincinnati from Iowa to work in advertising in the early 2000s. And in an effort to make friends, she dabbled in stand-up comedy for a while before starting a food blog. Today, she's on the verge of doing that full-time with her blog getting hundreds of thousands of hits a month. She talks to us about the beta versus VHS battle in the blogging world, Cincinnati chili versus other chili and her initial reaction to the former, reverse engineering dishes to create copycat recipes, the unique things she gets to do as a top food blogger, the best kind of steak to buy, and more. Uh, Another disclaimer, just like last week, I need to point this out again two weeks in a row. We are partners with the Gold Star Chili and Camp Washington Chili. Uh, Gold Star comes up in the conversation today, and I do moonlight as a social media community manager for Gold Star, but we love them all. After all, it's all Cincinnati Chili. That's why they call it Cincinnati-style chili, after all, kids. So if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to the food hussy. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. Once in a while, I'm at Cincinnati. And uh, so I guess we'll start from the beginning, the origin story and all that. You're from Cincinnati originally? No, I'm from Iowa. Oh, interesting. All right. And uh, when did you move to the tri-state? I have lived in Cincinnati for 16 years now. I moved um, 16 years ago for a job. And what what kind of job did you move for? Um, I worked at a company that built search engines for newspapers, something random oh. that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I was going to, you know, I was thinking uh, when I was kind of thinking, you know, the, getting this interview organized over the weekend, um, how it's really weird that really none of these jobs existed uh, even back in the 90s. And uh, my wife and I were talking to my mother-in-law. She was over yesterday and we were saying, you know, we we've been on the internet since 1995, since right after Netscape was released. And uh, everybody thought it was the weirdest thing. And uh, in fact, it was so long ago that uh, the people that got us on the internet, this couple that were in a rock band, uh, showed us what it looked like before Netscape, what the internet looked like. It was all text. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I think back to when my first job on the internet was working for a company that we put magazines on the internet um every month like so we put their articles from oh, yeah. the print magazine online 
And it's like that job, like it doesn't even, most of the magazines are all out of business. So <laughs> it is weird to think that not only are, well, internet jobs didn't really exist before the mid nineties, but now there's a lot of internet jobs that don't exist anymore, which is strange yeah. to think. Yeah. So I guess you're not really a, what we call a digital native then. I guess you probably came to the internet uh, as a youngster or? Um, I was in my 20s. So I had graduated college. Okay. And I mean, I'm old. I'm actually, and I know Josh, like yeah, I yeah. met him a bunch of times and stuff. But um, I mean, I'm 46. Okay. So, so we're about the same I age. Was I was probably, I was in my mid 20s. Like when I started, I was working in um, radio and TV and then got out of that. And just sort of fell into a job as a coordinator building, you know, putting content on what, you know, on the web for magazines. And then it just sort of went from there. And now my whole life is digital. So. And, uh, and this is your full-time gig then? Yeah. So I have, well, I kind of have two full-time jobs. My one job, my day job um, is I still have a day job and I work for an ad agency based out of Texas. And I hire bloggers for big brands, oh, okay. PNG brands. So, um, I hire beauty bloggers mainly, um, cause it's mainly PNG beauty brands that I work on. Oh. Um, and so that's my day job. And then my second job is my blog, um, which I'm hoping by the end of the year will be full time. Okay. Um, so, but my blog then is creating recipes, um, and, and doing that. Okay. So let's backtrack. So you arrived in Cincinnati, uh, yeah. when, and if you've always had an interest in food and, uh, the food blog just comes to you naturally or how, how does that well, come about? Sure. Well, my dad always had me cooking like when I was a kid. So, I mean, I, I've been cooking since I was, you know, old enough to stand at the stove. Um, but then, um, when I moved out here, my blog started as a restaurant blog. So it was restaurant reviews. That's what it was for, um, I would say it was 90% restaurant reviews for the first eight years. Um, and I just had read other blogs and I was new here. I didn't know a single person and, um, I have a journalism degree. And so I was eating out a lot cause I didn't really know anybody and thought I read a few restaurant review blogs and thought, well, oh, I can do that, you know, and it'll just give me something to do to pass the time. And so I started doing that. And then over the years, it just morphed itself from restaurant reviews to where I started to get some traction and then eating out all the time, like it's expensive. And I was like, oh, I'll cook. And so I threw a couple recipes on and then now I don't do restaurant reviews at all. I've morphed completely to a a hundred percent like recipe creation food blog. Okay. And had you ever been to Cincinnati before, um, before you moved here for your job? No, I had never, I came once just, um, to, to see the city a little bit. Um, when I was, I was working for the company, they had an office in Cedar Rapids, Iowa and an office here. And then they wanted me to move out here, um, for this office. And so they flipped, I came out here and, uh, came out here for a weekend and looked at apartments and made the move a month later. So as a transplant, uh, of course, uh, you know, people react differently to Cincinnati's unique cuisine. Uh, I would, I've only lived in three other cities or two other cities in the Midwest, Pittsburgh, which I don't really, which I guess is only sort of the Midwest. It's kind of half Midwest, half Eastern, uh, and Cleveland where I grew up. Uh, but I would say Cincinnati definitely has the most unique 
regional cuisine, at least of those two other two cities, how did you react to like I refer to Cincinnati chili and Geta and, and that sort of affair? Oh yeah, there is that. Um, <laughs> what's funny is when I um, when I first moved here, um, what somebody took me to Gold to to Skyline. Somebody took me to Skyline Chili. And I'd never had it before. And I thought it was disgusting. Right. <laughs> I thought it was poison and gross and the worst thing I'd ever eaten in my life. And I would not touch it. And then a year later, um, I was actually with a group of comedians um, because I didn't know anybody. I took a comedy class down at the now defunct Funny Bone at Newport. And a bunch of us were going out and they all wanted to go to Skyline. And I was like, oh. I'm huh. like, well, they have salad. I can get a salad. And then they're like, you got to try it again. And I don't know. I think there's something in the water because I tried it a year later. And then I was like, this is the best well, thing I've ever eaten in my life. We uh, had the, the chili history guy on last week. And I told the story about how in college, uh, we up in Bowling Green, inside the dorms, not only was it the cafeteria, but in the center of the dorms, there was uh, these little food stands, like fast foodie places. And one was a Cincinnati chili. And I just thought it was a chili that happened to be based in Cincinnati. I didn't realize it. And I had the same reaction. Uh, was I was mortified. And then my wife, who had lived down here for a while, but she's also from Cleveland, took me to Skyline in Cleveland and said, oh, you, you should try this. And I was a little more prepared for it. I'm like, oh, this, this is okay. This isn't so bad. And, of course, now I'm obsessed. But, yeah, the thing is, is if you're expecting chili con carne, you're in for a rude awakening, folks. <laughs> well, and I always say to people, like, if you're, like, like don't think of Wendy's chili. Yeah, like, that's exactly. Only, like, you know, if you're thinking of Wendy's chili, it's not that at all. But if you put that out of your mind and just think it's a totally new food you've never eaten before, yeah. then you can, like, open your mind to it and it's delicious. And I was kind of the same way with Geta. Like, I did not... I tried it a couple times and things. I went to a Geta Fest. I didn't care for it. And then a coworker um, told me how he makes Geta and he showed it to me and he takes the, you know, patties and then pushes them, like makes them thinner. And once I did that, then I was like, oh, I like Geta now. So once I learned that I like, I once I learned how to cook Geta, now I like it. And with Cincinnati chili, I just made my own copycat version recipe on my blog last week. So, um, and I had somebody post a message on there and say, oh my gosh, my husband visits Cincinnati twice a year for work and he always raves about the chili. She said she made it yep. for him that night and he loved it. And it, she's like, it tasted perfect. So I was, uh, that made me happy that I got it right. So getting back to the comedy thing, when did you start doing comedy? Well, when I moved out here, I didn't know anybody and I didn't have any friends <laughs> and I wasn't really going to hang out with my boss. So um, I saw that Jeff Jenna was teaching a comedy class. And so um, I did a comedy class at the Funny Bone and um, it was an eight week class. And then I did comedy for probably three years. Starting uh, three, when was, so when have I been starting? Because we, we probably. Like 2000, well, 16 years ago. So, oh, I can't do that. 2004? Okay, because I, I, like, I dabbled a little bit, I think, starting in 2005, maybe? I wrote an article yeah, for City like, Beat. I used to go to Go Bananas for okay. their comedy I'm sure like, we met contest. then. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm certain we met then. All right. That's how I know Josh was because I, Kristen Russo was in my class, who he used to date many moons ago. Ah. Um, and so, but, and um, gosh, what's, 
like I know Rajiv and um oh my gosh now I can't Mike Cody like that whole like I start I was in the class right before Mike Cody so at at Funny Bone so I know like that whole kind of group and that whole okay <laughs> wave of people <laughs> there you go so and how how far along did you get in stand up did you ever, did you ever MC did you ever feature I didn't actually get paid ever. What I did do though was, um, I did a lot of charity shows. Um, a couple of folks in my comedy class were, um, were gay guys and they knew a ton of drag Queens and they wanted to do charity shows that combined drag Queens and comedians. And so we did a whole bunch of, um, charity shows for P flag. And, um, I was always the headline for those shows. Um, Sort of like the the community in Cincinnati. Sort of, I was like their own little Kathy Griffin. <laughs> like I was sort of like rude and loud and brash and told inappropriate stories, um, a lot of them. <laughs> and so um, it was me and uh, a few other comedians, but like, and then drag queens mixed in. So that's kind of what I did. I tended to not. Um, I didn't really pursue the like emceeing and stuff. It was like, you had to be clean and, um, kind of mild. It seemed like, and that wasn't really me. So I or was least, just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. At least I had that capability. Yeah. I, um, I entered the funniest person, person in Cincinnati contest a bunch of times. And as I told, uh, Rajiv and Josh on the episode a couple of weeks ago, uh, I am the Cincinnati Bengals of that contest. Uh, one and done one appearance in that even I brought a whole bunch of people one time too, from my workplace who they were kind enough to come out and support me. And uh, oh, yeah. I, th- I thought I had a pretty good five minutes and nope, still couldn't get over the hump. Oh, me Could- too. I, I went a million times. I just sort of gave up on that and um, went up to Jokers a couple times and did their oh. contest. Okay. Um, wow. So, but that, I mean, that was way back, obviously. Um, but I had fun with it and um, I was definitely a blue, you know, comedian with, I mean, I, you know, I cussed the whole time. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. I was blue-ish. I'd, I'd oh. like, I talked about grown-up stuff, but then I would always be like the uh, – my persona was kind of like the uh, the old – dad. I would talk about things, but I would try to put them in a, in a delicate manner, uh, you know? I wouldn't say the actual thing, but I would like allude to it. It was kind of the thing. But yeah, oh. it was mostly like uh, grown-up stuff, but I didn't want to say like words. On. I, thought, I might have dropped an F-bomb, but I always try to steer clear of that. I got to perform once at um, Brouhaha because my friend John Bunyan from the Gary Burbank show – was uh, his day job took him to China, so his slot was open, and Mikey uh, emailed me and said, hey, I've got a slot open, do you want to perform? And I'm like, sure. So I had to double my act. I only had five minutes, <laughs> I had to come up with ten. But uh, but I did. It took John Bunyan my- going to China for me to get my, my only gig. <laughs> my favorite was one time we did a charity show at Funny Bone, and... Um, this comedian Bob Marley, he's out of yeah um, yeah yeah I know Bob Maine. Yeah, I interviewed I, him for print. I have just think he is the funniest. Like anymore, after seeing so many comedians, most comedians don't make me laugh that much. And but he still just cracks me up. And I just thought he was the funniest thing ever. And he was coming to town to do a weekend at um, Funny Bone, and we had our charity show the night before. And he actually agreed to do our charity show, and so he headlined our charity show. And I got to kind of open for him and he did it free of charge and he was so gracious and so kind and so hilarious. So that was a pretty big deal for me to like 
get to, you know, kind of work with someone that I looked up to and, and yeah. thought was really funny. So gosh, I've knocked at that guy in ages. Um, he used to perform like up in Cleveland and places like that. So that's how I came to interview him. I probably interviewed him for Cincinnati as well, since he, like you said, you did a, did a show here, but, uh, so yeah, but you, he's great. I love him. So. so you did that for a couple of years and you finally decided that you'd kind of reached the limit. Well, I just, I mean, I made more at my day job and like I did, I don't really drink and I don't smoke. So like hanging out at bars every Friday and Saturday night was just like got old. <laughs> so I was just like, meh. And that's when I kind of started up my blog was around that same time. Like the comedy kind of died down and I started up my blog and it was sort of like a new hobby. So, oh, okay. So what I was did the, that instead? What was the blog like at first? What was the, cause you know, they, it's, you know, very nice looking Today it's very professional, obviously. But oh. uh, what um, what kind of was the what were your thoughts behind starting the blog? You said it was mostly restaurant reviews when you started. Yeah, I just it was all restaurant reviews. Um, I really enjoyed it. I liked going out to eat. I had a journalism degree and I wasn't using it. Like I like to write, and so it just sort of gave me that outlet. Um, and uh, you know, it was like I was going out with my friends more. I was you know so much younger then, um, and. And then it like started to gain some traction and um, like I started to get people following me and mentioning me. And like after a couple of years, you know, I even had people recognize me, which was the funniest thing ever. Like I was in an elevator one time and somebody was like looking at me and staring at me. And then finally they leaned over and they go, you're the food hussy. And I was like, yes, I am. (laughs) I "I know this. So that was kind of funny just to be recognized. And um, and, you know, I got a lot of free food. A lot of restaurants would offer me free food to come try them out and stuff like that. So that was like, oh, I can keep doing this. And so it just grew from there. Yeah, I did that for Everybody's News back in the day. Uh, I did a, a little bit of everything for them. And I, we, I did a little food reviewing. And they would uh, only pay for – well, my wife started actually doing the writing. She would write it and then I would just kind of clean it up. And uh, But then they would only pay for her meal after a while. They said, oh, we can only really afford to pay one of you. We can't buy both ears. And I'm like, geez, what a, yeah. They go back and listen to the John Fox episode, kids, and find out uh, what cheapskates everybody's news were <laughs> as far as paying people or paying for anything. Um, anyway, yeah, that's that's the thing with, um, when did you finally get it to the point where you were uh, able to get any kind of uh, income from it at all? Well, I mean, I would say just in the last couple of years, like I was getting a lot of free food and a lot of gifts or gift cards and stuff like that. Maybe a little something here and there, um, you know, like 50 bucks here and there for something. But then the last couple of years when I really started focusing on recipes and creating recipes of my own, that's when I started to do some sponsored posts where I'm working with a brand to create a recipe using their product. And then, um, that grew. And then I, um, I've gone to a couple of conferences and I met this girl, um, Stephanie, her blog is called plain chicken and she's out of Birmingham, Alabama. And I met her and she kind of took me under her wing and, um, (laughs) and in the blogger world, like there's WordPress and there's blogger. And so it's sort of akin to VHS and beta. And I made the decision to go with blogger, which is like the beta max. Yep. <laughs> the blogging world. Same. Yeah. And um and Stephanie was on Blogger at the time. And so she took me under her wing and kind of helped me. And then I have a hard time, like photography is not my strong suit. And I ended up going to her and 
like she literally just sat with me and we made recipes and, you know, she took the camera and moved it to a certain spot and said, here's the picture you want to take and taught me that way. Like I have to be hands on to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And once I learned that my blog took last year, my blog just took off. Like I would have 10,000 page views this time last year. I had 10,000 page views in a week and now I have that in a day. And is so is work- my traffic has gone crazy. Like I'm getting, you know, 250,000 page views a month. Whereas that was wow. like, I'd be lucky to have that in a year before. And so still WordPress based or is it, I am, I am still on blogger. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm well, in the process looks- of purchasing a house. So I'm going to move to WordPress, but I need to buy the house first. <laughs> I gotta say it from, I mean, my old blogger blog, which you can still find out there, uh, looks really rubbishy. But this looks really nice. I I think uh, the the blogger bloggers owned by Google, isn't it? Isn't that their shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, lo- it looks pretty nice, actually. I guess they kind of because you, you well, Google usually abandons things, which is always nice. And you're like halfway into something, and then you're like, oh, well, we're shutting off this product. So <laughs> good well, luck. Well, and the thing with blogger is, um, it, mine looked like a terrible blogger blog for all those years, and then a couple years ago when I met Stephanie, she said, oh, there's this website over here. You can buy a template to put a design on your blogger blog, it was $30. Oh, wow. And it took me about two hours. And then my blog looked like everybody else's and it looks pretty. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) it only took me two hours and $30 to make it look good. Yeah. So that helped a lot as well. (laughs) My blog is out there, but I have so many other things that I get paid to do it kind of always falls to the bottom of stuff. And the only thing I use it for is if uh, occasionally if I'd write an article on spec and it didn't get purchased, uh, I would, or I, if I something I really wanted to write about and nobody was interested in uh, it, uh, me doing an article about it, I would just stick it on there. And so that's kind of like, it's kind of the slush pile of my stuff. But uh, yeah, the, the food, it's, uh, if anybody wants to look, it's thefoodhussy.com if anybody wants to look that up. But yeah, and then it looks, uh, it looks very nice. Um, Thank you. And then you also became an influencer, a social media influencer. How did that come about? Um, I mean, from the blog, you know, you have to have an Instagram and you have to, you know, do all the things that uh, that get you found so that you have that social impact that brands pay for. So, um, you know, eventually I, well, I started Instagram and I was on Facebook forever and I didn't switch over to like a business Facebook for a long time. And, um, didn't start an email list for a long time mistakes that I regret now. Um, cause I could have had a lot more people on my list, but you know, hindsight's 2020 I'll live, but, um, yeah, so got my Instagram and you know, that growing that is, is like a turtle winning a race. It takes a long time and it's slow going, but eventually I, um, eventually I've grown that, you know, grown my channels, just at least respectable. I have the swipe up on Instagram, which was the main thing I wanted. Like Uh just get me the dang swipe up. So that's funny. Do you ever like, uh, do you ever get worn out on social media? Because you have to, for my job for Cincy shirts, one of the things I have to do, and I'll be doing more of it, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, depending how you look at it is I have to be, you know, people say, Oh, you should just get off Facebook. I'm like, my job is to be on Facebook for this company, for another company. 
uh, in town and uh, for my you know, promoting my podcast and stuff. So I, I can't get around it. So I do have to see this stuff. Does it ever just wear you down or are you able to filter out and just concentrate on like, you know, your food stuff and what you're interested in? Yeah, I mean, I do get burned out, um, you know, quite frequently, really. <laughs> it just happens. Like, you can't help it. But um, I finally found, like, kind of a system that works for me. As far as the social media, I mean, I'm really – I'm on Facebook, but I don't I don't post very much on Facebook. Um, I really just use social media for my blog anymore. I don't really – Um, I I sort of have that separation of church and state, like when I'm not blogging, well, and it's hard with a day job. Like I work 40 to 50 hours at my day job and then I work probably 30 to 40 hours on my blog. So the little time I have left goes with my dogs. (laughs) Um, so I do get burned out, but I've kind of come up with a system as far as for my blog and the content that I create for my blog. I have a schedule. Um, I have myself scheduled out um, and a plan of what I'm going to create, um, for recipes and based on search engine optimization and search engine research, I've kind of got this plan. So I have my calendar scheduled out. So now that I've figured out that calendar schedule, it makes everything go a lot more smoothly for me, but I don't really spend that much time on social media other than pushing my blog out. Like I don't have time for it. And I just don't want to read everybody's thoughts on politics uh, and COVID. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I was just in a meeting today telling them that uh, they, I, they were supposed to make me an admin for one of our other brands. And Josh is like, I, I did that like last week. And I'm like, oh, well, the way the thing is set up, the, one of the brands I work for, uh, they have the notifications turned on. And if I shut them off, I shut them off for everybody. I haven't figured out how to shut them off just for me. So my whole feed is just filled with notifications from the brand. I rarely see the personal stuff. So that's kind of a pain. But um, so basically your brand is based on the blog where a lot of people, it's just like they're, they have an Instagram account and that's the big thing. Yeah, no, I, mine is, a, the Instagram is really just kind of like legitimizes myself as a presence and that I do have an Instagram. Like I have a friend who is in Dayton that her Instagram, she's like about 30,000 followers and she has a blog, but she really gets paid primarily for her Instagram. Right. Um, okay. I prime, but she's a lifestyle blogger. Um, and so I primarily get paid for my content and my recipes that I create and the Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest are just kind of the outputs of that. So I'm a little different in that. And because with recipes, like most of my traffic comes from, from Google and Pinterest. And how do you derive the recipes? How do you source those? Well, um, as they always say, and as you figure out in comedy, nothing is original. (laughs) There's no joke that hasn't been told. Um, So most of the time from recipes, there'll be times when I create something completely 100% from scratch. um, And I come up with it and it's just, you know, happenstance. But I bet if I search, there's probably something like it. Um, so a lot of times if I get an idea in my head, um, I will go and look for other recipes that are already out there, not just by bloggers, but cookbooks or Betty Crockers and, you know, everybody out there and kind of look and see what other people are doing. And then I sort of mush them all together and make my own version. Okay. So, so you, you test like them out with Cincinnati with the Cincinnati chili. I, and I've done this a lot with, I, 
my recipes focus kind of in two areas. I have Mondays are sort of a whatever post. Wednesday is a copycat recipe and Friday is an air fryer post. I'm obsessed with my air fryer. Oh, cool. And the copycat stuff sort of was born out of all my restaurant reviews. I do well in Google for restaurants because I have all that authority as a restaurant blogger. And so when I did copycat recipes, those kind of filter to the top because I have that Google authority for restaurants. And um, so with Cincinnati Chili, I had an old postcard that had the original Cincinnati Chili recipe on it. And so I made that. And then I had a can of Skyline and a can of Gold Star. And as I was eating, I was trying the chili that I made based on the postcard. And then I was tasting the Gold Star and tasting the Skyline and going, oh, I'm going to add a little bit more of this and add a little bit more of that. And then just kept writing it down to kind of alter that postcard recipe to make it my own. Well, as we found out uh, last week from Dan, the chili historian, all the recipes, all the Cincinnati chili recipes all do come from Empress. And everybody just kind of added their little twists and turns along the way. Uh, oh. Yeah. Well, that postcard might be an empress. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. That's probably what it, it, it dates back to. But yeah, but then like Dixie and Pleasant Ridge and all those guys, everybody kind of added their own little wrinkle to it. And uh, Well, and it was funny because when I tasted it, like I didn't want to call it, I couldn't call it Copycat Skyline because it didn't taste exactly like Skyline and it didn't taste like Gold Star. But it definitely tastes like Cincinnati Chili. Like, yeah. It wasn't exactly like either one, but um, it definitely had that taste to it. And you definitely make it. And and especially if you don't eat them side. I did a side by side test um, with blind taste test side by side of a coney, the chili in a bowl and a three way um, to see which one I really liked better. And um, it was funny because when I did that, I had a friend from Iowa that was out here that had never had it ever before. And um, really the only way you could tell the difference between Skyline and Gold Star was the bowl of chili, just eating it plain in a bowl. Ah. If you tried it on a coney or on the chili, on the spaghetti, you couldn't tell the difference. Because with all the cheese and the other, like, it does, you can't tell the difference. There was no difference. But when you ate it just bowl to bowl, there was a huge difference in texture, in taste, in everything. So that was kind of fun and interesting. Yeah, Josh claims that he could probably tell in a, in a blind taste test because um, the, the one other job I have is I'm a, a social media community manager for Gold Star. And, uh, and people, and people, (laughs) and people have opinions, as you know, in this town. And and I'm like, you know, if it's not that deep, as my daughter says, folks, it's, you know, it's, it's all good. It's all Cincinnati chili. It's all unique to the area, but people, people get mad. And, uh, I said that to Josh one time and I said, no one can tell the difference. And of course, born and raised in St. Bernard, Josh says, I bet I could tell. So we have to sometime do that is have the blind taste test with Josh. But in my head, I could tell somebody from out of town, Gold Star is maybe slightly spicier than Skyline, but I could not tell the difference side by side. I've, oh, sorry. My dog is going to bark. Dog has opinions about chili. Seas. Yeah. <laughs> my dogs love every time I go, I have to get two cheese conies for my dogs. <laughs> yeah. People post that all the time. They should feed their dogs. Uh, they, uh, before the pandemic, they would go through the drive through and, yeah, they'd show their, their dogs enjoying a, uh, a dog, and because I would make a comment like, you know, a dog enjoying a dog or something dumb like that. But. Yeah, I have a wiener dog eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, when I tasted them side by side, 
the meat from Gold Star tastes more like meat. Like the skyline texture had a, it had a weird texture to it, and and Gold Star was definitely had more flavor and more spice. So um, side by side, bowl to bowl, I could I would definitely pick Gold Star every time. Um, but I have a skyline closer to me, so. Yeah, and so I eat them both. I love them both. I'll eat it all. Yeah, exactly, care. exactly. And, that, and that's kind of the thing we were uh, trying to push for a while. There was when you know people do that to kind of direct it more towards, hey, this is really a uniquely Cincinnati dish. And I was telling the, uh, I think I was telling Dan the chili historian. Someone did a post in Twitter, and it said it was nine images, and it says you can only pick three. And it was yeah, like uh, Geta, and then there was Graders in there, and UDF, and Skyline, and Gold Star. And I commented as Gold Star, I'm like, how great is it, how Cincinnati is it that two of your nine choices are chili parlors? I mean, there's two ice cream parlors in there, but you can get ice cream anywhere. You know, St. Louis, Detroit, doesn't matter. But how unique is it that, you know, but nobody nobody bit. No one's like, oh, yeah, that is cool. <laughs> Everyone, everybody still wanted to fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I love them both. I don't yeah, care. I'll I eat mean, them both. And I like different things. Like, I love the Greek spaghetti at Skyline. So random, but that's one of my favorite things. And then the chilito or whatever, the chili cheese burrito. I can't remember what they all call it. But um, I did a bunch of blogger dinners um, at Gold Star. So I'm sure you've shared my content because okay. I used to work with I used to work with Mickey and now I work with Jamie. I think it's Jamie now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I've done blogger dinners for blo- for um, Gold Star tons of times and um, and Tom and Chi as well. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so when you say copycat recipes, getting back to that, because that we were doing yeah. that over the weekend, you you mean like restaurant like Annie Ann's pretzels or uh, yes, okay, yeah, this um, because we were trying to figure that out over the weekend. Uh, my wife loves the kale salad from Chick Fil A, uh, even though it's microscopic, you get like a shot glass full. So I said, well, I'll, I'll just make one, and I looked one up online, and I found a Food Network one. It wasn't the same thing, but she looked up the the Chick Fil A one is horrifically complicated. The Food Network one came out pretty good. That was very easy to make. But uh, so, how do you find the the copycat recipes? Is someone else's reverse, those or do you make are those? sort of a combination? So, like Olive Garden posts some of their recipes on their website, and those are actually they kind of have some of their base recipes, like their meat sauce and their Alfredo sauce. And so, a lot of times, you can make their other dishes knowing those two. If you know the Alfredo and you know the meat sauce, you can kind of make a lot of things on the menu. Um, Cheesecake Factory, on the other hand, they just posted some of their recipes and they're super complicated and they have ingredients you can't even buy. So those are silly. Um, so a lot of times with copycat stuff, though, because I used to do copycat recipes that were like a local place that I loved something that they had. But what does really well for search engines and brings in a lot of traffic are the national chain restaurants, which is funny because I really don't go to chain restaurants that much. Um, because I like the local flavor of places, but what does well and what people want to know is they want to have the olive garden recipes and they want to have the, you know, cheesecake factory and Applebee's and stuff like that. So, um, a lot of times with those, it's finding it's the same thing. It's going out and looking for other people's recipes and then sort of tweaking it. But a lot of times, like I've done really well with Panera recipes. And the nice thing about Panera is they put all their ingredients on their on the website in the nutritional information. Oh, nice. So you can really just look at the recipe or look at the ingredients and figure out how to make it. Uh, you know, res- it's not their baked goods, but like their yeah. salads and their warm grain bowls. It's just ah. like a 
Chipotle bowl, you're just putting everything together. And so you just got to figure out the quantities and like kind of mix it up and put it together. It's funny you should say that because a recipe I was trying to recreate uh, from back, I used to work at the airport and um, one, I worked for a host who run all the food places out there, mostly uh, at the airport. And they uh, had a franchise for a great steak and potato or great steak and great steak and fries. My GM used to miscall it, even though he was the GM. (laughs) Anyway, so as part of it, I worked in the retail shops, but since we all work for the same company, we get free food, which was a fantastic benefit. Anyway, so great steak as part of their contract had to have breakfast offerings and all the other great steaks around the country and in malls everywhere didn't have this. They had a steak and egg sandwich and it was fantastic. And uh, my buddy used to make it for me. And I could not figure out how to make it. I tried making it the other day. I bought some uh, buns from Sam's Club, and I bought the shredded steak from Kroger. And I almost made it, but what I think I screwed up was the ratio of egg to steak. And uh, I still have, to this day, not been able to recreate it exactly. But um, that's a tricky one well, because there is no actual recipe out there. close. Like, yeah. Um, like, I have a Penn Station copycat. Oh. And because you can buy the same kind of meat they use at Penn Station – you can buy it at Meyer. It's certified Angus like steak that's okay. like kind of shredded. Yes, and that's so what Kroger that, sells that too. Yeah, and um, well, I like certified Angus because a while ago on a sponsored trip they brainwashed me, so I only huh. eat certified Angus beef. <laughs> it's it's just better. Like it's so much better. It's ridiculous. There you go. Um, we like saw the stuff side by side, and I cut up a cow. It was a whole adventure. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. But um, I made myself a Penn Station copycat, and that's done pretty well. Like, some of those regional chains will do well. Um, back home in Iowa, we have something called a Made Right, which is a loose meat sandwich, if you remember back from, from the days of Ro- yeah, from Roseanne. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's actually a Made Right in Greenville, Ohio, which is the authentic style Made Right. There was one in Oxford that was terrible. I went, and I was all excited, and then I took one bite and threw it away. It was gross. What is loose um, meat? Is it is it like sloppy joe without the joe sauce yes it's a sloppy Uh. joe without the sauce but there's um you make the meat but then you put all these spices and seasonings in it and then it sort of cooks away so there's no sauce um but then i made um but that copycat recipe did well and then i all these slider recipes that use the king's hawaiian buns yeah i'm sure you've had them at a party i made made right cheese right sliders so that was one that I kind of created on my own. Like I took my made right recipe and I combined it with a slider and made this whole new recipe and it's done really well. So that's one of the ones that's actually my 100% my creation that's done really well. But it started from a copycat. And a lot of times with copycat too, like I did Olive Gardens and Panera um, salads And so like the Olive Garden salad, like you just look at it and you know, it's the Olive Garden salad, like the bowl and the olives and the, you know, just, it has a look to it. And, um, but I bought the Olive Garden Italian dressing and then I started making my own Italian dressing and just kept tasting side by side until they tasted the same. Ah, yeah. I I do um... that a lot. Like I, I have one going live that's, um, Red Lobster has a coconut shrimp with this pina colada sauce. And so I ordered it from Red Lobster and then I asked for extra sauce. And then I just kept tasting the sauce and tasting what I made until it tasted right. (laughs) So I try to make it as authentic as possible and make sure that it does taste like what the restaurant version tastes like. Although mine usually tastes better. 
I'll have to go back through the uh, the archives there then uh, and and try some of those. So you see, I was going to ask you. We were talking about how you got to cut up a cow. What are the kind of neat things do you get to do uh, as a you know as a, as a popular food blogger? Oh gosh, the, um, the certified Angus trip was the coolest. I went up to certified Angus, which is in Worcester, Ohio. Which, if you have not been to Worcester, Ohio, it is I, the most charming little town. It's I've, like Gilmore Girls came to there. life. Yeah, yeah. It's so amazing and tons of Amish, which I'm a little Amish obsessed. Um, so I went up there for three days and they, we got to cut up a cow and they taught us about all the different cuts of meat. Um, they showed us like Kroger will sell USDA choice. And it sounds like when you hear USDA select or choice, you think it's like good, but that's actually like the bottom of the rung when it comes to like the scale of meat. Ah. And so then they showed us like they had all these steaks from like choice up to like certified Angus prime. And you could just see like in a ribeye, which is the most blessed cut of meat ever. um, You could just see the quality and how it improved as it went up the scale. And so to me, that was really interesting because it not only like educated me, but I got to eat a lot of cow um, (laughs) for, for days on end. Um, I've also done a lot of, I work with the Ohio Pork Council, so I have gone to a lot of pig farms, and I've got to hold piglets, which are very cute and fun, and um, when you go to visit a pig barn, you have to shower to go in and shower to come out, so I've taken a lot of showers in barns, (laughs) which is interesting, but again, like, it's knowing where your food comes from and, like, learning about it, which I really enjoy. Um, I've also traveled because, um, with travel comes food. So I've done some fun road trips. Um, I did last year, I went down to Atlanta with my friend, Stephanie, the food blogger, plain chicken. And we went to Atlanta and I did a sort of makeshift real housewives of Atlanta food tour and went to places that had been seen on the show. And that was so much fun. We had just a blast doing that. Um, and I've gone to like Gulf Shores. I got to go down to Gulf Shores, um, in Alabama for free. I mean, they paid for my plane ticket. They paid for me to stay in a condo for a week and then paid for all my food. I mean, so stuff like that, it's like, oh gee, I get to sit on a beach and eat food. That's really rough, (laughs) but I have to come back and I have to work. I mean, like, you know, yes, it's a free trip, but it's also, there's work involved. So yeah, that's... most of the time I won't do like travel for free because um, there's a lot of work involved in it. And so like when somebody wants me to come to like Nowheresville, Ohio, and they don't want to pay me and they're like, oh, we'll give you a twenty five dollar gift card for this one restaurant. I'm like, no, thank you. But a trip to the, the beach for a week. Yeah, I'll go. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. As a, I know what you're talking about as a journalist, I get to get to do stuff for free and last year we um my wife and i went out to colorado to see vampire weekend at red rocks and uh none of it was paid for except for i was able to get they played two nights and when they play two nights in a city they do two completely different sets so we had to see both shows so she bought expensive tickets for the one show and then i said well i'll I'll see if i can get us press tickets for the other show and i did and they were sixth row and they were fantastic but then yeah then i was obligated to you know go through photos and write a review and all that stuff, but was more than happy to do it. It was worth the trade, believe me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, that's a oh, nice I thing forgot. about a side hustle. The, the coolest thing I got to do, I can't believe I just forgot about it. Um, 
Well, last last year at this time, this almost this exact time, I was in Alaska for a food blogging conference. They held it in in um, in was it Anchorage. No, it was somewhere smaller than that. We went to Alaska, and um, so we spent the week in Alaska, and we got to take a helicopter ride to an iceberg, to a glacier. And we had a beer tasting on a glacier in Alaska. Was it I mean, an, that's, an Alaskan brewery did that or did it, was it a brewery? Yes, it was Alaska brewery. Ah. And, um, so that was, I mean, that's just like a friend of mine called me and was like talking to me and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm standing on a glacier drinking a beer and they're like, excuse me. And I'm like, I know it's pretty cool. <laughs> so how often so, do you get to do things like that? Well, that was a conference that I went to that they just happened to hold it in Alaska that year. And so we were all like, oh my gosh, we're going. And it was the best. We didn't even care about the conference. We're like, we're spending a week in Alaska and it's like pretty cheap. So that was the most fun. That was last year at this time. Now this year, the conference is in El Paso, which is not near as exciting. I bet there'd be good food down there, a little Tex-Mex. Oh, yeah. All kind of stuff. um, But last after that, I got invited. I got a call out of the blue. Um, I got an email from BrewDog, which has now expanded into Cincinnati. I love BrewDog, and you'll find out why. (laughs) Um, They're downtown by the casino. Yeah. they do these trips where because they're a Scottish based brewery, they'll take a plane load of people from Scotland and bring them to Ohio. And then they took a plane load of people from Ohio and took them to Scotland. And you get to tour the breweries and you get to, you know, we went to three or four different cities in Scotland and all this kind of stuff. And they had a few seats for media and they had there was three bloggers and, um, and one writer and we got to go to Scotland for free. Wow. I mean, it was for a week. It was, I kept thinking it was a scam. Like it's (laughs) one of those things. I was like, yeah, this isn't real. And then they were like, no, it's real. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, this is the coolest thing ever. And, um, so there was one person from Cincinnati, one person from Indy, because they were opening in Indianapolis. And then one girl was a, a California beer blogger, or she's really an Instagrammer. Um, and so she does beer stuff all over Instagram. And so the three of us, and then one writer that was doing an assignment for a magazine. And so wow. we got to go to Scotland for free with all these people that had paid for the trip that were like brew dog freaks and fanatics. Um, but it definitely... I mean, not just because they gave me a free trip to Scotland, but like getting to know a company that well, it was sort of like the certified Angus thing. Once you get to know like the founders and you really understand like what their mission is and why they do what they do, like BrewDog is an amazing company and they, they treat their employees amazingly. They produce a fantastic product. They have a cool niche, um, and it's delicious. So I mean, I drank an IPA that was designed specifically to be drank at in flight. <laughs> they had this IPA that was just made to to be best drank while you're, you know, 30,000 feet in the air or whatever it is. And I have drank IPAs and I think they're disgusting for the most part. And I drank that whole can. I was like, this is actually a good IPA. It's huh. never happened before. Yeah, I got turned around on IPAs. Um, that's probably not my, my uh, beer of choice. Uh, I used to be a logger man, but uh, yeah, IPAs got, and of course my 
daughter, who's of drinking age now, thinks... Well, actually, she thought they were disgusting at first, but now she's on board. So I shouldn't say that. But Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not much of a beer fan. I'll, dr- I'll drink... Um, what do you... The fruity ones, like... Oh, shandies I, and that sort of affair? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and um, ciders. That's why yeah. I usually will get a... I mean, I really don't drink very much. Like, if I drink two or three times a year, it's like, oh, boy. Then my friends at my divorce... I got divorced last year. My, I had a divorce party down at Arnold's, and my friends were like, oh, boy, Heather's having two beers. It's a big <laughs> day. <laughs> so, that's like... Um, yeah, that's a big deal for me. So like the rosé, the Rheingeist rosé, the bubbles, that's my yeah. favorite thing ever. So yeah, yeah. My, uh, I'm not much of a drinker, but, um, I will say like brew dog definitely won me over and like just the way they treat their employees. Like we were over there and they have, um, they, you can bring your dogs to work. And so next to all the desks in the marketing department was like dog beds. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I love this company. <laughs> like that's, that's the way to win me over is tell me I can bring my dog to work. Now speaking, oh yeah, that's uh, that that's a big thing nowadays too. Uh, in fact, we do that sometimes. Sometimes folks will bring uh, their dogs to the warehouse and stuff. Um, the, back to the the brands thing, I'm I'm curious about: do brands with these copycat recipes ever get mad, or is it actually beneficial for them because people are like, hey, people really like our kind of boneless wing or whatever it is you're copycatting? Yeah, it's funny. I my first official copycat recipe was for a, uh, a burger chain here in Cincinnati. Um, it's, it's a chain, it's a national chain, but are like kind of a regional chain. And they gave me one of their recipes and I did oh. it. And then, and it was a limited time burger. Like it was a burger they only were going to have for like this one month. So it's not like I'm taking away business. Um, and they're, their head office got kind of upset about it and didn't want me to publish it and stuff like that. And I was like, you guys don't realize like a lot of people are going to see this and be like, Oh, it sounds good. I'll make it at home. But that's also going to remind them about how much they want to go to your restaurant. Because there's a lot of times where like I can make nearly every recipe at Olive Garden, but do I still want to go to Olive Garden? Yeah. Cause I get tired and I don't want to cook all the time. And, and they treat you like family. So (laughs) but I mean, I love cheesecake factory. I don't make their cheesecakes. I make their other recipes. I have one I just made this weekend. It's so good. I can't wait. I'm going to make it a hundred times more. It's so delicious, but like, I'm not, it's like my recipes, people are already searching for them. They already want to make them at home. And some of it is like the Cincinnati chili, like people that don't live here can't get it. Or if you don't, I don't live in Iowa. I can't get a made right on you know, that often. So I make my own version. And so I try to educate restaurants and say, Hey, you know, yes, I'm going to make a copycat of your recipe, but it's really just promoting you. And it's, it's getting your name out there more. And so I don't often do the copycat stuff. Isn't typically sponsored. That's just, I bring it, I make money on that just based on ad, ad revenue and traffic to my site. Um, but I love it and it does really well. So <laughs> I keep doing it. I love when Olive Garden, I can't wait till the pandemic's over for a million reasons, but huh. Olive Garden and Panera, when they come out with a new recipe, like a new item on the menu, I go and try it the first day so that I can copycat it as soon as possible. Well, the thing too with that is I would imagine that, yeah, you might make it at home once, but more than likely you're going to go to the restaurant and get it. 
Uh, and also the thing we hear on Gold Star a lot is, you know, uh, we promote our uh, Shopify page because, like you said, if you live out of the area and people say, oh, I miss Gold Star, I miss Cincinnati Chili, I always give them the link and say, hey, you can have some ship right to your house. And they'll say, well, it's not the same as going into the chili parlor. And that is that is very true. As there's still something yeah. about going to the – even if you can make it exactly like they make it in the restaurant, there's still that thing about, you know, not only just going out and being out, but, you know, being in that chili parlor culture we have here in Cincinnati or, you know, whatever the culture is, you know, the the Philly steak, I guess, thing in, in Philadelphia. I mean, I'm sure you can get a good Philly steak recipe from Pat's or the place across the street, which is their rival, but you really want to go and experience it properly is to sit in, you know, Philadelphia and have that Philly steak. Oh, yeah. And, like, I mean, there's also, like, I can make Olive Garden soup and I can make their salad, but, like, to make their soup, salad, and breadsticks all at once, like, oh, oh that's yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're not, you're not doing that. Um, so are you thought of you know branching out maybe to youtube or things like that you have a youtube channel i didn't even see i have a youtube channel it mainly i've been on television um i've cooked you know made recipes on tv probably 200 times um so mainly my youtube channel is just a repository for my um tv appearances okay um to kind of sell that side of my you know like as an entrepreneur um you sort of I'm juggling plates or, you know, I wear a lot of hats. I've always got something and, you know, I've done consulting work over here. I did, you know, helped come up with recipe ideas for wings and rings one time. You know, I've done, I mean, I've done a lot of different things. You know, I coordinate blogger dinners and invite other bloggers to, 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 um, to write about gold star. Like I run the campaign for them so they don't have to. So I'll get 20 people to do post on gold star and then gold star just works through me so there's a lot of little irons in the fire and tv appearances is one of the irons that i've had in the fire i've done that for years um and so that's kind of what my youtube channel is um video is something i enjoy it and i really like i think it's the stand-up comedy thing it's you know like i enjoy being on stage and um and doing that you know i'm pretty funny i think and you know i can i'm quick on my feet with things um but producing video in your own home when you live alone is not the easiest thing in the world so i haven't really done too much of that myself um maybe down the road i might look into it more i think it's changing so much who knows what we'll do in a year from now (laughs) and so the ultimate goal like you said is to by the end of the year have this be your day job but what what other kind of goals what other things did you want to do you want to do in, in in this that uh that you haven't done yet i mean i just want to see it grow um steph from plain chicken is really my you know kind of my true north that i look at i look to her and go i want to be like her <laughs> and um and she's just such a funny like she's funny and she's rude and she's like we're very similar. <laughs> like I love her to death. Like she just do, but like she gets to like be her own boss and every day is her own. And she schedules herself out so that, um, you know, she has her post scheduled out through like September, I think right now, because then she can take time off to go on vacations and travel. And obviously she's doing a lot more scheduling and working right now because you can't travel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But like normally, like she'll go away for a week or two and she'll just, you know, kind of travel all over the place. And, you know, her life is her own and she gets to be her own boss. And that's what I look forward to is just being able to kind of be my own boss and run my own show. And then, um, you know, kind of live the life that I want to live instead of having to answer to someone else. And and I want to see the work that I do impact my bank account directly, you know, instead of a company's bottom line and things like that. So my goal is just to make this, you know, like I love my job and, um, it's a great company. I, I, but you know, my goal is to not work there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's a great quote. Um, Um, you know, cause, cause I want to work on my own. I want to do my own thing. That's the American dream. The 21st century man is, I mean, my ultimate dream would be a television show on food network. I want to, you know, like I have an idea, um, that I think is different and hasn't been done yet. But, um, you know, I buddy up to like Kayla and, um, Christian who yeah. have been on food network many times. There was a guy here, uh, years ago. I can't remember his real, he was the midnight gourmet. Do you remember him? Uh-uh. Yeah. He did a, he, he did a couple of shows. It wasn't for food network, but it was for like a, a underling network that food network owned or something. And he did a couple of test shows for them. And uh, he filmed them right here in town at his at his place, I think it was. And I wrote an article about him for City Beat. Uh, yeah, but what happened to that guy? I'll have to look him up. Um, but well, yeah, and like Christian has been on guys. Um, Christian from Boomtown Biscuits and Kayla from Arnold's have both been on. You know the Guy Fieri shows, and um, and they're both friends of mine. Um, that you know, I'm not saying that they're introducing me because I'm not going down that road. But like, I would, I mean, I think that would be cool someday to be able to to have a chance to do something like that. But I also know I'm not a chef; I am a home cook, and I, you know, I know what I can and can't do. So, uh, yeah, um, that makes sense. but I have fun. Like that's my main thing is yeah. I just want to have fun and enjoy myself and spend time with my dogs and you know, have a good life. There you go. So it's uh, to promote here. So people want to go to the foodhussy.com. That's probably the best place for them to go. But they can also find you on the social medias, right? Yes, everywhere on, Inst- on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I am at foodhussy. Um, but my blog is thefoodhussy.com. Perfect. All right. And uh, as always, I don't know if you've listened to past episodes. Um, this is the time where you get to pick the 20% discount code that folks can use to get 20% off uh, their purchase at Cincy Shirts or old school shirts for that matter. Because we have a lot of old restaurants in there from other cities and, and things like that. But you can use it on anything. So what would you like the 20% off code to be for this week? Food Hussy, of course. There you go. Sorted. <laughs> I'm sure we haven't used that one before. All right. So use Food Hussy. From uh, now until the next episode drops, take 20% off uh, at CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com, or you can use it once on both sites. How about that? A little hack for you there. Speaking of uh, copycats and hacks and things like that. Um, well, great. This has been a lot of fun. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today, Food Hussy. Uh, and we'll direct people to your website, and uh, and like hopefully by year's end, uh, this is, is your full-time gig. Yeah, hopefully. Well, good to talk to you, too. And I'm going to go get me a shirt now with a discount. There you go. All right. Thanks, Heather. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The Food Hussy, Heather Johnson, 
Interesting stuff, eh? I had no idea the blogging was still on. I thought it was more like Instagram and uh, that sort of affair, but I guess you really can't post detailed recipes on Instagram or Facebook and whatnot, so uh, so blogging, I guess, still is the way to go. Uh, that song, of course, there's Bread and Butter by the New Beats. Uh, they are originally from Shreveport, Louisiana. How about that? That song got the number two for two weeks in 1964. If you're wondering, kept off the top spot by first The House of the Rising Sun by The Animals and then by Oh Pretty Woman. I guess those songs leapfrogged over the New Beats, and the New Beats could never could capture the number one spot. If there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, by the way, or someone you'd like to have uh, have a spring back, drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com, put podcast guest in the subject line, and maybe a couple of sentences about either why you think the person would be a good guest and or why you would like to have the person back on the program. We've had a few return guests, uh, including John Keyswood or the Haunted Cincinnati guy was on twice, Ronnie Salerno's been on twice. So uh, yeah, if you want to hear somebody else and say, hey, you didn't cover this one topic, well, just let us know, and we'd be more than happy to invite that person back on the show. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. And if you haven't already, as always, go back and plunder those Cincy Shirts podcast archives. All 119 episodes. Uh, go nuts. They're all great. Uh, Johnny Bench, Amy Yazbeck, uh, Bronson Arroyo. Tons and tons of great guests back there, and more to come, of course. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams, shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, all kinds of stuff, like Cincy Shirts, of course but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Food Hussy, all one word, F-O-O-D-H-U-S-S-Y, Food Hussy, all one word. You can do all lowercase, all uppercase. You can alternate upper and lowercase if you like, if you want to be clever. It will all work. Uh, use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye